Hey, the following is a recording of Charlie Dupree's sermon at St. Paul's Episcopal Church on September 8th, 2019 in Richmond, Virginia, in the United States. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. The tradition of homecoming dates back to the 19th century. It always had one purpose, to gather people, to bring people together. Homecomings originated in the academic setting as ways to bring alumni together, usually around a football game. I remember homecomings in my own college at my own fraternity People would come from all over the state, even all over the country, back to this place that had helped shape them. And I remember thinking when I was a college kid, who are all these people? They're like old. They're 30 years old, coming up in here like they know everything. I'm well beyond 30 now, um, but I have to admit that I'm kind of now one of those guys. Homecomings reunite friends and family. They bring together the past and the present. They remember and celebrate old traditions and give birth to new traditions. I did a quick Wikipedia search, close your ears, academics, and I found the following subcategories under homecoming. Homecoming court, Homecoming king, homecoming queen, homecoming parade, homecoming picnic, homecoming tailgating, homecoming dance. But what about homecoming in the church? Is there a difference between those great party weekends at our alma mater and what we do here today at this homecoming? There are a few similarities. This is definitely a new beginning for me and for us. 
There will be a time of celebration. There will be food. There will be laughter. But if we're really going to look at what homecoming means for Christians, if what, looking at what homecoming means for St. Paul's, then we're going to have to look at our gospel lesson for today. Now, friends, I have to admit, true confession, usually when our lectors conclude the readings and they say the word of the Lord, I usually with confidence can say, thanks be to God. But today's gospel, my response is a little bit more like, what? (laughs) What is happening here? Seems to come out of nowhere. As usual, we need a little bit of context if we're going to truly interpret Scripture. So you have to remember where we were last week. Last week, remember, Jesus was at a dinner party with the Pharisees, and he was sitting back, and he was observing who was sitting where. And he started to talk about who got to sit at the head of the table. And he even said something as radical as, when you're inviting people to your dinner parties, don't invite the people who can repay you. Instead, invite the people who cannot repay you. Now, y'all, this is some countercultural stuff that Jesus is talking about here. Remember also that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And this is no journey to the beach or to the river. He's going there to meet accusation and trial and crucifixion. So his teachings about being a disciple and what that means are really getting ramped up. If you want to be my disciple, this is what it looks like. Hate father and mother, give up your possessions, carry the cross. That's pretty intense, Jesus, don't you think? Well, I have a feeling that's exactly his point. And we all know that when we're trying to make a point, the best way to make it is to exaggerate. And so that's what scholars believe is going on here. Hyperbole. Hyperbole was a very common rhetorical tool in Jesus's day. So to exaggerate is a way to get your point across. We do it all the time. She won by a landslide, or he missed by a mile, or my order took forever. Not literally true, but we make our point. Case in point for today, Jesus asks us to hate father and mother. Again, this is harsh. Hate, Jesus, is that really what you mean? Well, we need to dig around a little bit into that word. And if we do, we'll find out that the Greek doesn't really suggest the type of hating that you and I might think about. It doesn't have to do with anger or hostility. It has more to do with a turning away from something and leaving it behind. So I think what Jesus is getting at here is he's trying to get us to understand that discipleship requires sacrifice. Sacrifice, making some decisions about how your life is shaped. Moving away from family and friends. Sometimes it's necessary, but it's a sacrifice. 
Matthew and I know a little bit about that right now. Selling our stuff, selling your stuff, living more simply, it's a sacrifice. And carrying the cross, an instrument of torture and death, is certainly a reminder that life is not always easy. Remember that these first hearers of Jesus risked being kicked out of their synagogues, separated from their communities, and soon could even involve death. So today, Jesus is clarifying. He's clarifying for his students that he is asking for some counter-cultural ways of being and moving in the world. Now, our experience of this in today's culture looks a little bit different, but it still involves commitment and sacrifice on many levels. My thesis advisor in seminary was named Catherine Schifferdecker, and she tells the following story. A couple of years ago, when my oldest daughter was beginning high school, she signed up for the school swim team. I dutifully went to the parents' meeting at the beginning of the year, Standing in line with other parents to register her and pay the fees, I asked about the practice schedule. Well, said one rather zealous father, they practice every day right after school for three hours. And on Saturday mornings, meets are every Thursday and most Saturday afternoons. And she shouldn't miss a practice or she won't get a perfect attendance award at the end of the season. Dr. Schifferdecker responds, well, what about things like orthodontist appointments or church gatherings? He says, we skip those, or I schedule appointments during the school day. I'd rather have my daughter miss class or church than skip swim practice. Dr. Schifferdecker, a cool cucumber, (laughs) responds, I'm not going to drink that Kool-Aid. She goes on to explain that her daughter did not get a perfect attendance award, and she was rather proud of that fact because it meant that she did not miss classes or her church's weekend confirmation retreat. So what we're getting at here is what is it that's shaping your life? What is it that gives meaning to your patterns and your rhythms? Living a Jesus-shaped life A Jesus-shaped life involves sacrifice on many levels. In simple ways, kind of like carving out time for spiritual reading or Bible studies with friends, making church going a priority, giving your gifts of talent and treasure. It can also mean making sacrifices on larger levels. Taking a job that might not be the best paying one, but the one that's going to make the most impact on people in need. Making sure that people are paid fairly. Helping bend the arc toward justice. Stepping in when things just don't seem right. Today, all of us, all of us in this room are going to renew the holy commitments 
that we made when we were baptized. We will renew our baptismal covenant. And as we make these promises, I hope you will hear. Awaken your ears to hearing how counter-cultural these promises are. Respecting the dignity of every human being. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Proclaiming in word and in witness God's good news. Seeking out and serving all people. These are pretty big asks. Not terribly unlike the ones that Jesus asks of his disciples. But the covenants, the promise that we renew today are our home base. They remind us of our true north. So what's the difference between those great party weekends at our alma mater and what it is that you and I are about today? Well, today is not about corsages. It's about confession. And it's not about a homecoming king, but about the Prince of Peace. And it's not about a football game. It's about an invitation to change the game you are currently playing and hopefully to bring the world along with you. In many ways, this is a homecoming for me. I've spent the last 15 years either in upstate New York or in the Midwest. And I love those places. So I feel like I'm returning home. My family farm is two hours away. I have family there and family here in Richmond. And I also feel called to lend my voice to the important conversations that you are already having. And these are not easy conversations. But as one of my bishops once said, these are not easy times to be a Christian. But these are the times we have been given. I want more and more people to be a part of the life of this community so that they can call this place home like you do. So I'm so happy that we're here together on this homecoming Sunday. As the old saying goes, don't be a stranger. We need you. St. Paul's needs you. I need you. And most importantly, these three little babies that we are about to baptize need you. In just a few moments, you are going to promise to help shape their life and to shape their world. Maybe that's why Jesus gets so dang serious today, because he knows that that's what's at stake. He wants these children and children everywhere to be able to go to school and be safe. He wants these children and children everywhere to have good teachers and to have healthy meals and a nurturing environment. And he wants all people, young and old, to sleep safely and have security and flourish. Happy homecoming, St. Paul's. I'm thrilled to join you in this journey, this journey of discipleship, of learning, of carrying the cross that we've been called to carry, exploring how to be the hands and the heartbeat of Christ in this community. May this place always be home for you 
and a home to all who are seeking the unconditional embrace of God. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home.